Thank you for listening to this podcast from the Resting Place Carrollwood. We hope you feel honored, empowered, and full of faith because of what you hear. And we would love to see you at a gathering soon. For more resources like this, head to trpfamily.org. All right. So, how many are ready for the main point? Main point. The main point for today is accountability is credibility. Accountability is credibility. The one who is not accountable is not credible. A body, a group of people that are not accountable, they are not credible. I'm going to be the first person to tell you that right now in my life, there's at least five, arguably 15 people that can tell me at any point in time that I am being an idiot. And I have given them permission to do so. There are people in my life that I have welcomed their disagreements to my approach. I welcome this. Why? Because I know that I am fallible as a human. I know that I am corruptible as a human. I know that I don't, I don't just have the possibility to make mistakes. I make them all the time. <laughs> Please come back to church that Sunday. I mean, I don't know. Wow, this is our leader? Wow, great. I mean, I don't have any confidence in myself to be this, some kind of leader that's not going to make mistakes. I don't believe in that. I, in fact, if you're around a person that somehow uh, thinks of themselves as some kind of guru or some kind of matured beyond a certain level, you should run away from that person as far away as you can. Because none of us have graduated past mistakes None of us are incorruptible. None of us. None of us are, 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 are purely mature. Only one. Only one walked among us that was perfectly mature. And he still walks among us today. Jesus of Nazareth, the Son of God. Only he was the incorruptible one. Only he was the one human that could be tempted in every way and did not sin. But my friends, I'm just going to tell you right now, and this is not part of my notes, so all right, Holy Spirit, let's go. I'm just going to tell you right away, I am sorry on behalf of the church. And I am sorry on behalf of every pastor that leads a church that refused to accept accountability in their life and then damaged people along the way. I take full responsibility for church hurt. And I tell you that as a pastor who represents the body of Christ in Tampa Bay, I am sorry. I'm sorry that some of our leaders believed that they were beyond accountability, that they were somehow above being able to be um, checked or even, or even stopped by their uh, leaders. I'm sorry for prideful egos in the church. I'm sorry for pastors that thought that they or just somehow more holier than everyone else. 
I'm telling you now that I am no such pastor. I'm telling you now that I can make mistakes. In fact, I will make mistakes. But as long as you have grace for me, we can have, I can have grace for you. The Bible says to make grace and allow for grace for one another. Yeah. Yeah. Accountability is credibility. If you're accountable, then you're credible. Okay? As many of you know, we're in this series for the next four, five, including this week and four more weeks to come. We're just running through the book of Galatians. And as a church... Uh, we, I am uh, Pastor Joel Morales. I'm part of the Resting Place family. We are the Resting Place Carrollwood, and we have the Resting Place Wesley Chapel and Tampa that are all right now together as three different churches, all focusing on this one chapter in the, in the Bible, Galatians chapter 2. And we have four more chapters to go. Next week, Carla Honus is teaching. Anybody excited about Carla teaching? I love when Carla She's just like, that girl is, that girl is fire. <laughs> All right, Mike. Okay, so what we're gonna do is we're gonna <laughs> we're going to read the book of Galatians, chapter two. I'm gonna read it in the New International Version. Please read along. Pull out your Bibles, smartphones, tablets, smart watches. At this point, just just pull out a device or a book that you can read along with us. Galatians chapter two. Say amen when you're ready. All right, two people. Let's try that again. Say amen when you're ready. All right, that's, that's good enough. Okay. <laughs> then after 14 years, I went up again to Jerusalem. This time with Barnabas. I took Titus also. I went in response to a revelation. Meeting privately, privately with those esteemed leaders... I presented to them the gospel that I preach among the Gentiles. I wanted to be sure, be sure that I was not running and had been running my race in vain. Yet even Titus, who was with me, was compelled, uh, even Titus was with me, was compelled to be circumcised, even though he was a Greek. This matter arose because some false leaders had infiltrated our ranks to spy on the freedom we have in Christ Jesus and to make us slaves. We did not give in to them for a moment so that the truth of the gospel might be preserved for you. As for those who were held in high esteem, whatever they were makes no difference to me. God does not show favoritism. They added nothing to my message. On the contrary, they recognized that I had been entrusted with the task of preaching the gospel to the uncircumcised, just as Peter had been to the circumcised. For God was at work in Peter as an apostle to the, to the circumcised, was also at work in me as an apostle to the Gentiles. James, Cephas, and John, those esteemed as pillars, gave me and Barnabas the right hand of fellowship when they recognized the grace given to me. They agreed that we should go to the Gentiles and they to the circumcised. They all asked, uh, they all asked was that we should continue, all they asked, sorry, was that we should continue to remember the poor, the very thing I had e been eager to do all along. 
when Cephas came to Antioch, I opposed him to his face. <laughs> I thought Christians always get along. Sorry. <laughs> I opposed him to his face because he stood condemned. For before certain men he came, uh, for before certain men came from James, he used to eat with the Gentiles. But when they arrived, he began to draw back and separate himself from the Gentiles because he was afraid of those who belonged to the circumcision group. The other Jews joined him in his hypocrisy, so that by their hypocrisy, even Barnabas was led astray. When I saw that they were not acting in line with the true gospel, I said to Cephas in front of them all, you are a Jew, yet you live like a Gentile and not like a Jew. How is it then that you force Gentiles to follow Jewish customs? We who are Jews by birth and not sinful Gentiles know that a person is not justified by the works of the law but by faith in Jesus Christ. So we too have put our faith in Christ Jesus that we may justif be justified by faith in Christ and not by the works of the law. Because by the works of the law, no one will be justified. But if in seeking to be justified in Christ, we Jews find ourselves also among the sinners, doesn't that mean that does that, doesn't that mean that Christ promotes sin? Absolutely not. If I rebuild what I destroyed, then what, what really would be, oh, sorry, then I would really be a lawbreaker. For through the law I died, to, uh, for through the law I died to the law that I might live for God. I have been crucified with Christ and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. The life I now live, I live in the body I live by faith in the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. I do not set aside the grace of God, for if righteousness could be gained through the law, Christ died for nothing. So there's a lot here, folks. There's a whole lot in this chapter. There's a lot of things that we can take our time and spend several days actually just chewing on this chapter. And isn't that cool that the Word of God is like that? I remember one time I was talking with Nancy back when I was like 15 years old, and Nancy said something really interesting to me. She said, Joel, every single verse in the Bible is like a doorway leading down into a, like an endless basement that you can keep digging and digging and digging and find no bottom. Mama Nancy told me that when I was like 15. I never forgot it. So yes, we could take our time and spend forever in Galatians chapter 2 if we wanted to. In fact, there are people in the secret church in China that when Bibles come, because Bibles are so rare, um, I've seen this, I've heard reports of people that they'll just tear one page of a Bible and they'll give it to one believer and they'll say, this is all you have for, for, until we get, it, we may never get another Bible. So what they'll do is they'll just tear one page and they'll give it to a believer. Tear one page and give it to a believer. And that is the page of the Bible that that one believer in China gets, sometimes for the rest of their life. But you know what? That one page, a lot of the time, is enough. Because you can, every time, that's the thing about the Word of God, it's alive. 
It's not a dead book. It's alive. So when you, like, approach the Word of God and read something in it, it's going to be something different this time than it was last time. And as you grow and change, the Word of God does not change, but it will speak to you differently in different seasons of your life. It's alive. And so um, as I was reading Galatians chapter 2 and preparing for this message, I really just, the the thing that stood out the most to, to me in Galatians 2 is the subject of accountability. So accountability, when it comes to being accountable, we must first submit to accountability. We got a lot of Christians, a lot of believers, a lot of people in general that love to hold others accountable. They love to be the one that are correcting others. Accountability begins with you. Repeat after me. Accountability begins with me. You are the first subject of accountability. And before you are so apt to hold others accountable, you must yourself be willing to do that for you first. In fact, by the way, this is a great way to avoid a lot of pointless arguments. Most of our arguments come when we're judging others, when we're pointing out their flaws. You should be busy holding yourself accountable, first and foremost. And I love that because right here in Galatians chapter 2, verses 1 and 2, then after 14 years, how many years? How many? 14 years. Then I went up to Jerusalem, this time with Barnabas. I took Titus along also, and I went in response to a revelation, meeting privately with those esteemed leaders, and I presented to them the gospel that I preached to the Gentiles. You must be willing to hold yourself accountable to other trusted leaders. Paul had already been preaching this message for 14 years. Man, I've been doing this 14 years. You ain't going to tell me nothing. Anybody ever seen that dude at work that's been there way too long? You know what I'm talking about? (laughs) It's like they've been working that job way too long. Like they should have moved on years ago, but they're there and... They're miserable and everybody else is Anyone talking about? Please raise your hand if you know what I'm talking about. Thank you. Okay. Well, sometimes if, if that person's been in a role or doing something for more than a decade, they start to get a little crusty in it, right? They start to get a little hardened in it. And they start to think that I've got nothing new to learn. You can't teach me anything. But that's not Paul's approach here. Paul, even after preaching the gospel to the Gentiles for 14 years, was willing to open up his approach for the feedback to other, from other trusted leaders. He's like, hey, listen, I mean, led by the Lord, by revelation, I'm coming to you like I'm allowing you to have some feedback here. Am I doing this right? Does this, does this sound right to you? Even after 14 years, Paul was willing to open himself up to the accountability of other trusted leaders. When it is necessary, you must be willing to allow trusted leaders to review your direction, especially from God, and offer feedback, especially to confirm that the direction is correct. Now here's the deal. You are not accountable to everyone at the same level. That's good news. 
That's good news. Let me tell you something. Your levels of accountability are going to sound or look something like this. God first. You are accountable to him. You're not accountable to me uh, uh, before you're accountable to God. You're not accountable to your family before you're accountable to God. The first person that you are accountable to is God Almighty. That is the first one that you are to live your life unto. That is the standard by which you live your life against. God and God alone. He is the first one. And then from there, if you're married, spouses, of course. Parents, if you have children, you are accountable to your children. One of the things that I wish I did better and one of the things that I continue to hold myself accountable to is keeping my promises to my kids. Man, that's tough. Can any parents give me an amen? Dang, that's tough. You know, it's like, it's like these kids, as soon as you say we're going to the park tomorrow before the sun rises, they're going to be in your bedroom waiting for you to wake up because you made them a promise. And now it's time to pay your dues. Ooh, what'd you say? It's a blood oath with these kids. I mean, gosh, I'm accountable to keeping my promises to my children. Wow, the Bible says in the book of Colossians, parents do not, dis, do not what is it? Do not um, irritate your children lest they become discouraged. Colossians chapter three. Oh, great way to irritate your kids is to let them down. Man, that's tough. I'm accountable to my parents. My mother, I love my mom, everybody, my mom's here. Give it up for my mama, she's the best. Come on, you gotta do a better job, come on now. This woman raised three boys, spent many years as a single mom, raising three little savages. We actually have a word in Spanish, salvaje. Mira, salvaje, siéntate por favor. For those my Anglo friends, that means, hey, savage, please sit down. <laughs> um, but I am accountable to my mother, even to this point. I'm still accountable to my parents. I'm, I'm a, for those of you who have godly parents, you have a gift. Um, for those of you who had godly parents and they're no longer with us, you're still accountable to their legacy. You know. Um, I'm accountable to my work leadership. Uh, those who are, I love that I have the best boss in the world. I, I've been working for Walt now for four and a half years. He's the best boss, and yet I've never worked harder for any other boss. Walt holds me accountable to greatness for us, and I, I, I love working for him. I'm accountable to spiritual leadership. Just so you know, you don't have a pastor that doesn't have someone that he's accountable, that not accountable to. We as the church, part of the resting place, I am accountable to a whole group of leaders that they hold me accountable Right? That, you know what that means for you? That means safety. That means when a pastor's, I, I come up against difficult decisions every week. Every day of the week, something comes our way. We'll have to make a decision for the church. A lot of the times I seek God in prayer. And then also a lot of the times I go and I consult with those of which I'm accountable to. And they will give me their feedback and their insight. And by the way, I'm accountable both ways. I'm accountable to leaders, the executive team of the leadership team of the resting place. I'm also accountable leaders here in the church. Like here at the resting place, Carolwood. I tell my leaders every Wednesday night at 8.30 what I'm up to. 
And a lot of the time, I allow them for feedback. Hey, do you guys think this is a dumb idea? What do you think? Eric has heard me ask that question a bunch of times. Because why? The Bible says in the book of Proverbs that where there's the abundance of counselors, there's safety. There's no egos here. I don't have any ego in this. Another level of accountability is your friends, your neighbors, strangers, and even your enemies. You are accountable to your enemies to love them. You are accountable to your enemies to love them. Oh, I have an enemy. Great. I actually got to love you a little specially this time. Like if you, an enemy is any person that opposes you. If they're opposing your direction, congratulations. You are accountable to love your enemies. But here's the deal. I just want you to know, I am accountable to love strangers and my neighbors, but I am more accountable to God. Right? So if there's something that a stranger wants me to do that would violate my accountability before God, that stranger's request gets denied. Does that make sense? Here. A lower level of accountability does not trump a higher one. Galatians chapter 2, verses 4 and 5. This matter arose. Some fellow believers had infiltrated our ranks to spy on the freedom we have in Christ Jesus to make us slaves. We did not give in to them for a moment. There's going to be people, even Christians, that will ask you to do something contrary to what you know God has called you to do. Do not give in to them even for a moment. Because before you're accountable to that foolish request, you are accountable to God Almighty. Does that make sense? Do you see how this puts life into priority? Here's another one. You are accountable for your specific task and mission. You are not accountable to do everything. Everyone take a deep, yeah, let's, let's just take a deep breath together. Ready? One, two, three. My, my beautiful wife, I love Brianna. She's awesome. Anybody love Brianna? She's just, yes. she's going to hear you guys clapping in the recording when she hears this later, so that's good. My beautiful wife, I see this in the mornings when she comes downstairs and the house has been destroyed by our three lovely children. Four children, if you count me. And immediately, she feels that she has to do everything. Right? Like, that's just how it is in her nature. Like, she just thinks, oh, my God, I got to do everything. I got I to gotta clean. I got to, oh, my God, these kids. And immediately, her anxiety catapults to unknown heights. Because Why? My, my beautiful wife, who cares for our home, thinks that she's accountable or responsible for everything. But that's actually not true, right? So then, of course, dad steps in, right? And dad's, our job is to be, you know, enforcers to mom's needs, yeah? Right? Mom has a request, dad makes sure it gets done, right? And he usually makes the kids, make sure the kids are getting it done, right? 
Hello? Yes? So right away, when, Bree, when I start to see the face, the, the, the frustration on Brianna's face, I kick in the gear and I start using my dad voice. I'm like, all right, kids, let's go. Drop the video game right now. No, 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 stop coloring. I know it's a pretty picture. Let's go, right now, pick it up, let's go. And just boom, we just start moving this wheel and these kids start, okay, dad, all right. My sweet little wife, she was like, guys, can we please just, and the kids just like, okay, mom. But then dad comes in, put the games down now, and it's time to clean, you know, boom, right? We get these things moving. Why am I telling you this? I'm telling you this because one of, part of my job is to help Brianna realize that she's not responsible for everything. There are other people in this situation that made a mess that she does not have to clean up. Now, although this is a pretty minute example, this applies to work especially. Especially for those of you who are overachievers, um, you are not responsible for the irresponsibilities of others. You are not accountable for everything. You're not supposed to clean up every single mess. The Bible says here in the book of Galatians, chapter 2, verses 7 and 8, on the contrary, they recognized that I had been entrusted with the task. Everyone say the task. Everyone say the task. I had been entrusted with the task of preaching the gospel to the uncircumcised, just as Peter had been to the circumcised, for it was God at work as an apostle, as, as, for it was God at work in Peter as an apostle to the circumcised. He was also at work in me as an apostle to the Gentiles. In this mission of preaching the gospel to the whole world, Paul and Peter did not try to do each other's jobs. One was accountable to preach the gospel to the Jews and the circumcised. The other was accountable to preaching the gospel to the Gentiles. What does that mean? That means you are responsible for your task, not the task of everyone else's. That means you need to do your task with excellence. Because if you're busy trying to do everyone else's task, guess what's going to happen to your work? It's going to fall behind. So you must be busy to manage your portion and not, not falsely taking the responsibility of other people's accountability. Does that make sense? Can I get an amen? amen. Thank you. <laughs> okay, so you have to hold yourself accountable, yes? You have to be aware of what you are responsible for and the tasks you are accountable and not overextend yourself into things that you shouldn't be doing. And now you're ready for this next one? You must hold others accountable for their tasks and responsibilities. You must. Now, here's the deal. I don't like confrontation. <laughs> I picked a pretty weird job as a pastor. Like, pastors need to confront stuff all the time. And I hate confrontation. So, you see why I need the grace of God, like, literally every day to do this? I don't like confrontation. How many of you guys, does anyone here actually like confrontation? Do you? Yeah. Yeah, you do, actually. <laughs> anybody else? Does anybody, like, look out, like, like, gets excited for a chance to confront something? Anybody? 
Clarity? Okay, you like the fruit of it. Do you like the action of it too? Like you actually like getting, okay, okay, okay. Sure, okay, that's fine. Well, for those of you who actually enjoy doing this, I, I don't, I'm, not, I'm not the guy that like likes a fight, okay? I like to just kind of keep everybody happy. Let's just not do this, please, you know? Because for me, it expends a lot of energy to confront an issue, you know? But the Bible says we must be willing to call others out for the sake of calling them up. We must be willing to call others out for the sake of calling them up. It says in Galatians chapter 2, verses 11 and 13. I'm just going to focus on this one part. When Cephas came to Antioch, I opposed him to his face. When Cephas came to Antioch, he, I opposed him to his face because he stood condemned. Verse 13, the other Jews joined him in his hypocrisy so that by their hypocrisy, even Barnabas was led astray. Guys, I'm not very good at this. But whether I'm good at this or not, whether I like it or not, God calls me to oppose people to their face. By the way, you want to solve gossip? You want to stop gossip? It's very simple. When you have an issue with someone, go to them directly. That's how you solve gossip. Because gossip is people trying to address the issue in a cowardly way. So what do they do? They just go and tell everyone else about the problem they have with such and such. We can stop gossip in our church and in our communities if we're willing to oppose people to their face. Now, of course, this doesn't mean you got to oppose people, you know, not lovingly, right? The Bible says, be angry but sin not. Speak the truth in love. But you must be willing to oppose someone to their face. You want to know why? Because it says in Proverbs chapter 27, faithful are the wounds of a friend. You know what? I, I like a lot of people. I like a lot of people. I normally hang out with a lot of people. A lot of people, I like to have fun with people. But I can prove if I'm really a friend with someone, if I'm willing to exert the energy to rebuke them. Like if someone doesn't really exert the energy to rebuke you, they're not really your friend. They're just an acquaintance. My friendship is tested and validated if I'm willing to rebuke someone. Because you know what? If I don't really care about that person, I'm not going to spend the time to try to rebuke them. You know who your real friends are? If they're willing to pause. Look at it says here, Proverbs 20, 26 through, uh, 27, verse 6. Faithful are the wounds of a friend who corrects out of love and concern, but the kisses of the enemy, uh, but the kisses of an enemy are deceitful because they serve within, with a hidden agenda. You know, we, we have an entire society right now that allows to affirm people in their foolishness. We want to just affirm them in their stupidity. We want to just you know, comfort them in their insanity. Because why? We're not mature in love. If we were mature in love, we'd be willing to wound our friends. Accountable. Holding them accountable to the truth. 
to reality. Holding them accountable to sanity. We'd be willing to do so if we cared. So I just ask God that he would just give us more grace to care. The purpose of accountability is this. Is this hitting anyone? Is this, is this, yeah, I'm, I'm, I normally like to just kind of not expend the energy to go and address a person if they're, if they're especially doing something that's harming themselves or harming others. But um, I'm not really a friend until I'm willing to do that. I'm just a fun acquaintance at that point. Yeah. Yeah. It's easier to let it go. The purpose of accountability is not just bad decision prevention. We, we do that in the church, don't we? Oh, I need someone to hold me accountable so that I don't, like, mess up my life. We've almost turned accountability in the church as just simply preventing bad decisions. And although that's true, it's good to have an accountability partner to prevent you from making bad decisions. I think the main purpose of accountability is not bad decision prevention, but instead encouraging one another unto our greatness. My job is to hold you accountable to the full potential of your greatness. Everyone take a deep breath with me right now, right? Deep breath, ready? Congratulations. Every breath you take is proof that God's not done with you yet. Every breath you take is God reminding you we ain't done yet. So what does that mean? That means as a church, my job is to call out your greatness and hold you to it. Our accountability needs to be rooted in intimacy. What does that mean? That means I need to know about you. You need to know about me. I need to know what's, what's, what's going on inside your life. What are some of the goals that God's put in your heart? What are some of the dreams that are stirring inside of you? I need to know about what you're envisioning for your life two, three, five years from now. I need to know you, and then once I know you, my job is to hold you accountable to your greatness. Calling you out so that you could be called up. We've taken this accountability thing far too, uh, in the wrong direction, I think. I think the church has just used the accountability as a way to judge people who sin differently. That's not the goal. The goal of accountability was to call people to their greatness, to hold their feet to the fires of their potential. The Bible says in the book of Galatians, I went in response to this revelation. Why? Out of fear that I had been running or had run my race in vain.
I don't want my life to be lived in vain. I don't want your life to be lived in vain. Which is why accountability to one another, knowing each other, knowing the greatness of our potential, each other's potential, and then holding one another to that is how we actually pull each other towards our greatness and prevent one another from living lives in vain. You only get one shot at this version of your life. You, uh, oh, I'm gonna live forever. You will never again have this moment. Yes, you have an infinite existence. Yes, you will live forever, but you will never have this season again. You'll never have this moment again. The difference between those who succeed in life and those who do not is accountability. They held themselves accountable. They kept pushing, even when it didn't look like it was amounting to much. They kept going for it. Right? Even when they wanted to quit, they held themselves accountable to something greater. You must do the same. Go ahead and stand to your feet. Whoever is going to pray, can you please come up? <sighs> accountability. Be willing to submit yourself to accountability. Be willing to hold others accountable. Thank you, Lem. Thank you. Yeah. Come closer, girl. Come sit here. Come. Christy. Every relationship is based on trust. Every single one, every relationship is based on trust. Can God trust you with the fullness of your potential? Are you a person that God can trust? have a perfect example on how to do this in Jesus. The Bible says in the book of Hebrews chapter 4 verses 14 through 16, since we have a great high priest, Jesus the Son of God, who has gone into heaven, let us hold on to the faith we have. For our high priest was able to understand our weaknesses. He was tempted in every way that we are, but he did not sin. Jesus, the man of ultimate accountability, he was accountable to the impossible task of being a sinless human so that why? He could become the perfect sacrifice on our behalf. Jesus held himself accountable every moment of every day. He was tempted to sin in every way that we are, and yet he didn't. Come on. And now that Jesus is alive in me. He lives in me now. 
So I can actually draw from the power of the God that lives inside of me so that I might be accountable to my life as well. You don't got to be accountable on your own. We actually have help from the Holy Spirit. From the perfect helper. Thank you for listening to this podcast from The Resting Place, Carolwood. We hope you feel honored, empowered, and full of faith because of what you hear. And we would love to see you at a gathering soon. For more resources like this, head to trpfamily.org.